Hi, Jan. Good to see you back. Hi, Leslie. Good to see you. Second week of 2024. Yes, absolutely. So the, my typical question with a lot more gusto, how was the weekend? The, this weekend was good. I played a lot of pool. And no, I picked what? up... One second, what do you mean? That the other weekends were not good? <laughs> a little different. Okay, I played okay. a lot of pool and, and I picked up guitar. I started playing Nothing Else Matters. So You play pool? Huh? This I didn't know. I know. I, I started I know playing that you pool played. and I started ah, getting pool at it. Ah, that's that's getting better getting that you started playing pool. Yeah. Because I know that you play badminton. I know that you play many other also, games. Also. Yeah. Uh, I, was I just, uh, Another bike ride? Yeah, I went for the very long bike ride this time around. Okay. So it was like uh, towards, uh, I mean, the outskirts of Bangalore for those who are not familiar with uh, uh, Bengaluru. So first I thought I would go to Nandi Hills, but then I just took a slight detour and then went off-road on one of those, you know, as you say, off the beaten tracks kind of yeah. stuff. And Must really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it's a very, fun. absolutely, it's a very, very, what you say, liberating experience. All unplanned would, rides are. Oh yes, it was it was uh, clearly an unplanned right, and then of course now from the when I came back, obviously my whole point was to keep in touch with what's happening at uh, you know the consumer electronics show because yeah last week we week. spoke yeah I mean interestingly we spoke about you know how you know the CES had lost its kind of relevance uh, not I, I wouldn't be that harsh to say relevant but mojo. I thought you Let's know call it yeah mojo. the mojo. It's it's more the mojo. mojo, but surprisingly, I thought you know this time around I was sort of uh, I I found it some of the tracks pretty interesting. Mm. Uh, of course, uh, uh, I liked uh, Siemens the the Siemens opening track, the keynote, yeah. Uh, yeah. which was uh, speaking about the industrial uh, metaverse. Metaverse. Uh, that in particularly, I liked it uh, because uh, you know one I have been if you remember in the tech talk, I have been you know batting for this. Uh, which I find stupid when people say that the metaverse is dying. So I had to write, you know, not only once, twice, that yeah. no, the metaverse is not dying and yes. AI is certainly not killing it. Yes. You know, I, I was, it, it was a sense of uh, kind of irritation in me. <laughs> Please, you know. When all, these, like all these technologies capture imagination by coming off with consumer applications and use cases and then evolve on the maturity cycle to you know cater to the industry and the enterprise side because that's where they you know they they get matured essentially because the business models the the longevity everything gets taken care in 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 that domain yeah so, so meta, for, metaverse is going through that uh, going through yeah, that for me it was right clearly now. a vindication of that point of course i like the point that he you know he uh, clearly made this distinction of the metaverse and the industrial metaverse, because I thought that was pretty important, where he spoke about the three building, uh, basic building blocks of uh, 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 the industrial metaverse. One, of course, being the digital twin. Uh, the second uh, being, you know, software-defined automation, which, of course, we have been talking about. And the third part is data and AI. So, I mean, they're logical, but I like the distinction uh, he, he made uh, between the metaverse and the industrial metaverse. And... Uh, yeah, uh, so that's one part. Of course, he also spoke about uh, virtual PLCs and all that stuff. Now, for the benefit of uh, uh, viewers and listeners, uh, PLCs are basically programmable uh, logic controllers, and these were these are typically used on the shop floor. Right? I mean, these, these are uh, PLCs are more than two decade, three decade kind of. They've always been on the shop floor, and they're used with their CNC machines, which are the computer numerical control machines. So. Uh, 
it's always you know a lot of the stuff comes from the shop floors uh, it you know I, i i i love saying this always it comes from the aviation sector flows to the auto sector it's always there in the manufacturing or so it's it's pretty interesting to see these technologies come all and the... before aviation it comes from the defense sector yeah i mean yeah defense that, is, the, is the is the birthplace is a birthplace Absolutely. for most yeah, of these yeah. technologies it's always the the darpa the pentagon and we bought with cdma yeah yeah absolutely practically every tech has taken birth over there then come you know the academics and the research institutions they all get together and then of course then the businesses when they find sense in it they pick it up and they yeah. make sense of it yeah what did you find interesting uh this time i've been focusing on the ai announcements in ces and and what i found uh, the common thread was that ai was being used for uh, you know uh, at the back end and for a lot of enhancements i mean be it uh, uh, lg announced its uh, smart robot around the house flow uh, i yes uh, samsung came up with bolly to both with ai capabilities then you know smart refrigerators uh, suggesting uh again using ai suggesting uh, you know uh healthcare uh, uh and uh, nutritious uh, you know recipes okay uh and even the samsung and lg uh, uh 8k uh, tvs okay using uh, generative ai to convert sd content into 8k content so and, and weber and perfect are these grills you know using sensors and ai to you know grill your perfect uh, uh, steak so ai was being used as a, as a, as an enhancement and an Im, Im, uh, you know improvement across most of the consumer uh, electronics that were launched and uh, intel and amd launched npus neuro processing units they call them you know uh, the ai ready cpus for for the laptops that i think was anyway expected i mean you, you and i have been talking about this that you know ai enabled chipsets and semiconductors will come into place and and intel and amd announced those so these these were some of the uh, you know some of the announcements that caught my eye but i was i was seeing how is ai playing a role in most of the consumer electronics and and as expected it's playing the role of uh, you know improving uh, the user experience and and enhancing it you know overlaying a, that that intelligent layer and uh, you know uh, improving the use cases and uh, the user experience of 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 two or three areas of every device yeah absolutely i thought, I thought you, you you sort of nailed it of course they have been speaking about ai and generative ai now, what i like is they are bringing in the whole part of generative ai even Correct. in the industrial metaverse for that matter of fact you are speaking about how generative ai is being you know used yeah, yeah. um of course uh, based on all the kind of llms that we already have yeah volkswagen there. announced the integration of uh, chat gpt with their uh, you know cars that they launched id 3 4 5 and uh, you know now now you can talk to uh, talk to your car asking for the nearest uh, chinese restaurant or the french restaurant or stuff like that and instead of going and doing the google search they you know they do a chat gpt search so you know those integrations are happening it's backed by both uh, you know uh, traditional ai and uh, conventional ai and generative ai so that's that's something um, that that i'm seeing slowly but surely emerging i think it will take another couple of years for the consumer electronics to actually integrate generative ai very well 
easily 2025. Yeah, because see, I, I think even when Roland Bush uh, invited, uh, uh, you know, folks from the industry to talk about how generative AI has been used, I like the fact that many of them clearly, you know, categorically said that these are pilots. That yeah. these are being, you know, we are experimenting with these things. These are in the initial stages. Because otherwise, you know, you create a hype and then it, uh, you know, gets back into the winter and then everybody starts uh, questioning those things. So I think we need to go a little slow on that. A tremendous uh, amount of stuff is happening even as we speak. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, we have to temper the expectations. I think that's extremely important. Like, for instance, and I'm seeing a lot of convergence of these technologies. We have been talking about the convergence of technologies for uh, the last two decades, but now you actually see them, you know, converging. Yes. Where you see AI, generative AI, IoT, blockchain, sensors, robotics, robotics. And and of course, your whole thing or your other other part of the synthetic biology and all that stuff. Yeah. So where you have biotechnology and uh, synthetic biology, et cetera, all everything coming together. Like, for instance, one of the keynote speakers was the L'Oreal uh, CEO. CEO. Now, yes. uh, of course, the obvious question was what is he, he himself actually was expecting. He's saying, you may be wondering what is L'Oreal doing at CES. I think this is the first time that... Uh, uh, a company, yeah, where the yeah. beauty, a beauty company, cosmetics has, uh, uh, company, yes, yeah, you, you never seen, you wonder what a keynote that too, exactly, a keynote. So uh, th that was uh, uh, pretty interesting uh, stuff. I think they were the sponsors also. I mean, for yeah. them to sponsor at uh, CES, means obviously they saw a tremendous amount of sense. Of course, L'Oreal calls itself now a beauty tech company. So isn't everything a tech company now? That's exactly the point. You know, this is the interesting part. That banking say, uh, uh, banks say we are the tech company. Then you start correcting them. No, you are money. Your your work is to lend money and use money, and then use tech to make that you know more interesting. Now, so I'm, I I'm building an AI platform solution for an apparel company which supplies uh, apparel to all the big brands, the Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger's, and and it's a third generation company okay started by the grandfather father run it and the grandson is now running it okay 100 million dollar company and they they have a factory they do designs and they just produce the fabric and you know provide it and they are also now you know you know building an ai platform and and are a tech company so isn't everything a tech company yeah i mean clearly everything is a tech company but at the same time i think we should not be losing sight of the fact that tech is being used to solve a business problem Yes, yes. You know, because just by saying as a tech company, then it's like putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. So every yeah. so, so every time there's a shiny tool on the block, we are going to say, okay, fine, this works, and then get disappointed that this is not working. So it's like you're taking a hammer to put a small little nail in the hole. True, true. I mean, like we spoke in the, like we spoke in the last episode exactly. It's the non-core technology companies which are actually leading the technology adoption with business cases and business problem solving. And it's the core technology companies which are, uh, you know, leading the technology adoption with, uh, with, with uh, cutting edge pilots uh, development and and trying trying to find a problem for the solution that they have. So that's the clear difference that I'm seeing. Yeah, and what I found interesting, like say for in in, in the Siemens keynote when he was talking about uh, uh, the industrial metaverse, he spoke about you know the. Uh, uh, Pixar's uh, USD uh, format. Now that's become uh, the AOUSD, which is the open kind of uh, USD for it's an interoperable uh, kind of platform. 
so I was pointing it out to some of my colleagues. I said, if you remember, Pixar is the very same company that uh, Steve Jobs uh, acquired from George Lucas. So it's quite, it's got quite a history, you know, that uh, company. And the uh, USD format, uh, for, for the benefit of our viewers and listeners, it's uh, the universal uh, scene descriptor. So basically, it collects all the assets and, you know, makes... Uh, to put it very uh, simply, it makes sense of all the uh, assets and can weave it very seamlessly. Uh, so it's it's an amazing kind of format uh, or, and uh, and an uh, architecture kind of stuff. So you find that you know uh, Siemens has been using uh, the OpenUSD with NVIDIA. Of course, NVIDIA. Yeah. So, so you're finding, you know, a lot of this collaboration taking place where it is collaborating with uh, uh, NVIDIA, with uh, Amazon Web Services, with uh, many other companies. So you cannot have a standalone company. So other no, than the no. convert. So I other mean, than the and, and NVIDIA, NVIDIA seems to be collaborating with everyone. They hit a high of 1.29 trillion yesterday. Uh, their, their stock went, or was it Monday, two days back? Their stock went through the roof. I mean, it's, you know, they, they hit their... And and I don't think they're anywhere near their peak, honestly speaking. Okay. Yeah. Look, now looking that looking at the it... partnerships, partnerships and the business model changes that they're doing and seamlessly. Okay. I don't think they're anywhere close to their peak. Yeah, which brings me to a little controversial kind of you know topic in a sense, like you know, Apple has been the apple of the eye of the market for that matter of fact. Now the whole question is whether you know, despite the fact. I don't see too many Apple AI announcements that have made really yeah. that kind of yeah. impact uh, the, that the uh, many other companies have made. And you find us uh, the smaller companies, whether it's an Anthropic, whether it's a Hugging Face, whether it's a Mistral, whether even that uh, 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 a fledgling company, you know, which was probably not even part of the uh, schedule or something, Rabbit, Rabbit. which came up. Yes, R1. Yeah, R1. It's a lovely kind of device that we, they had over there. It was, you know, having chat GPT on the fly and the way they created that OS. Uh, what was interesting for me that they wanted to get rid of all the apps. Mm. So they're saying, okay, as far as the user interface is concerned, let's get rid of the app. Now, you have been a mobile guy, yeah. I mean, right from Motorola days and all that. What's your sense of this Rabbit OS? And uh, Honestly, personally, I love it because also... Right now, I'm reading uh, and deeply engrossed in this book called Indistractable by Nireal, the same guy who wrote The Hooked, okay? Uh, you know, and, and Hooked is a book which is a Bible for all consumer internet companies, the Silicon Valley companies, right? He wrote Indistractable and, and I'm trying to reduce my distraction, my screen time. In the last one week, I reduced my screen time by, by a third, which, uh, you know, and and in 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 my current uh, you know avatar of what i'm going through personally in life i love uh, you know rabbit which is essentially you know voice activated and so is alexa so essentially you know it's it's unlike a smartwatch or a mobile phone it doesn't uh, you know ask for your attention through notifications yeah, it's it, like a walkie it's like a walkie talkie it's like a walkie talkie and it does what you ask it to do you know stream uh, playlists or order a takeout or you know book a cab or something and it's instructions based and powered by ai so you know just like just like alexa so i kind of like it personally because you know then, you know, I'm not getting that much distracted and they, here's a device which is not distracting me, but which is there for my um, truly being my assistant. Okay. And uh, it's it's not using my visual senses to, to distract me or to take away my attention. 
So, and I quite like it. I think after an era of 10 or 15 years of, uh, you know, the, uh, the technology industry, especially the consumer uh, in the consumer space, getting the consumers addicted to screens, uh, it's coming a full circle where devices like Rabbit, okay, are going to be adopted more. I mean, include even human, right? Okay. Uh, now we need we need a common platform, common OS, and and a really flagship device to come out there. But I personally see uh, a, a need and a case for these devices. Uh, you know, I because I personally am on a mission to reduce my screen time and get yeah, less distracted. Yeah, because this is pretty interesting because just yesterday I was having a, a discussion with some of my colleagues. So they were talking about, you know, some of the developments at CES. They were talking about these translucent screens. Yes, uh, yeah. I said, I've seen the video. So they say, yeah, so how, how do you look, you know, why do you need a translucent? So, so the whole question was, do we really need a translucent screen? So my basic point was that, you know, you really don't know whether you need it or not, because some people may need it. Some people may see a need for it. Uh, there is, you know, in, in, in unimaginable ways, people might end up using it because you actually did not know what, uh, you know, blockchain is going to be used for, or for that matter of fact, how people are going to use AI. Look at the AI models that have been developed. Gen AI, for that matter of fact, look at the way people have been using uh, Gen AI. Uh, so it's it's pretty different. And Rabbit, for that matter of fact, you look at Rabbit, it it, it is not, it does not only talk about LLMs, it talk, talks about uh, LAM, AMs, which is LAMs. yeah, large action, action model. models. So basically, it's also converting the actions into the thing. An another so. term for us to remember and for you know for us to educate <laughs> the audience and yeah. for the audience to remember. Yeah, the, the LLMs, the SLMs, the, the large language models, the LMMs, the LMMs, the large yeah. multimodal, multimodal models, models, and now LAMs. And then of course the mother motherships, the foundation models, yeah. or the frontier <laughs> models, whatever you want to call them. I mean, oh my God, the amount of jargon in the last one year is amazing. But what do you think about you know all these uh, other kind of developments, the translucent models, uh, you know the rollable screens? <laughs> so here's the thing, personally. CES has always had a section uh, and every year to do with screens, right? I mean, you know, big screens, 8Ks, 4Ks, 8Ks, then rollable screens, then, you know, um, and, and then translucent screens. I mean, uh, so I, what would I, you do? I, what would you do with a translucent screen? I, I don't have a screen at home and I've been living without a screen for what, six or 10 years now. Didn't feel the need to. Okay, now I might just pick up a projector to, uh, you know, to project uh, uh, the live concerts and, and connect it to my, you know, so uh, home at, theater. At, at so, CES, you have something that is a projector which can become a T, something like that. I mean, Something like that. So, <laughs> I mean, my point is I've been going to CES for more than 10 years now and, you know, haven't, haven't been to, but in the last few years, but uh, screens have always been a separate section in CES and, you know, these super sexy. And, and when I see, you know, they also, when they come out and become production ready in the consumer uh, market, okay, they also see adoption, okay. Uh, we have seen, I mean, 80K, uh, sorry, 80-inch or 85-inch 8K LED TVs are a norm in these days in India. People, I mean, I never thought people would go beyond 45, 46 inches. Okay. And sure. then 50s I mean, yeah. came and then 80s came and, you know, so now, now it looks like you may just want it. a home theater kind of Correct. Thing. Correct. So I personally wouldn't go for it, but, uh, you know, there's a reason why the Samsungs and the LGs uh, are investing, continuing to invest, continuing to showcase. 
so you know uh, and everywhere around the world uh, you know the the yeah and, and i said there. consumption and the enterprises may pick it up for a very different reason like you yeah. have the whole video conference the teleconferencing the video remember, conferencing remember cisco webex exactly cisco WebEx? exactly that's what i'm saying so you yeah. know the telepresence like was telepresence some, exactly yeah so it it was something very very different you know yeah. so you never know what uh, use uh, enterprises would put it to but back of course in, back uh, in 2009 i remember having the cisco telepresence call and and then companies need to set up a separate room only for the telepresence uh, equipment right that those big screens and the entire connectivity right so yeah i mean screens big screens clarity uh, bendable curved curved um, you know of course there was also one of your favorite topics was hanging out there hypercars okay <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so that, that that should be interesting you know if you tell our viewers and users what's the difference between the hypercar and your f1s <laughs> okay uh, f1 is the formula 1 is the peak of automotive technology right i mean you know it's it's uh, when it comes to uh, technology innovation in the automotive sector that's as good as it gets and and hypercars are, are are the cars which take a lot of these technology and uh, you know and make them ready you know put them in a this one which are uh, road legal because formula 1 cars you know you cannot drive them on the roads they are only on the tracks okay but these are also extremely uh, you know uh, expensive cars these these going to millions like you know when it comes oh. to yeah when it comes the... to cars evolution uh, sports car starts from you know like there, there's a 100000 dollar uh, price point there's a quarter million dollar price point there's a 800000 to a million dollar price point you know typically you see the lexus lfas and the and the ferraris that are made so only 300 to 500 i have some numbers the cost of the divo hypercar right. uh, which sold out in just one day uh, the cost was uh, pounds 4.7 million yeah so typically yeah. hypercar start from 3 3 million dollars and go you know yeah. go anywhere up i mean the bugattis are in the 8 uh, 8 10 million dollars right now but okay. is is it true that the first hypercar was somewhere in the in 1963 the lamborghini mayora because i was just La- yeah, yeah yeah mayora a uh, lamborghini the, mayora the is p400 the yeah, yeah, yeah the p400 yeah. it is so typically hypercars today uh the with the ice engines with the internal combustion engines combustions yeah typically do uh, 0 to 100 or 0 to 60 miles per hour in less than 2.5 seconds okay mm. uh the the electric ones do much faster i mean uh, for example purely based on that metric the tesla played can uh, you know uh, the 1000 uh, uh, the 1000 horsepower uh, car uh can um, you know be categorized as a hypercar uh, it's got a great launch control okay it it does under 2 seconds it does 1.99 by the way okay so so but these are the cars which go into millions you know they they don't do races they you know they are bought by billionaires and uh they you don't you hardly see them on the road except for if you're living in monaco probably okay so i was comparing it to these uh, uh, fashion tv shows kind of stuff where not not every dress or not every yeah the, everything that is shown over there can be on the ramp the, yeah can absolutely. be worn on the street can be worn on absolutely. the street yeah so, so these these cars typically are the best when it comes to material science uh, the amalgamation of technology all forms of technology and and the speed and the aerodynamics okay they're built uh you know ground up and there are only very few numbers that are made typically less than 100 okay because they're so costly okay but and i think we, we spoke about 
last time when we were speaking about F1, uh, I remember we were speaking about how generative AI was being used for the voice. Yes. And now, yes. again, uh, during CES, you said that they have already, you know, spoken about it once again. So I think these offerings are going to be something that uh, with edge computing, you will find a lot of these uh, offerings being... Uh, oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, absolutely. So... I mean, Formula One has been, uh, you know, performing at the edge of technology, multiple technologies, and then uh, slowly but surely, they've been seeing, uh, you know, into production cars and, and road legal cars uh, much later, be it braking technology, be it uh, wheels, be it aerodynamics uh, and all of that, including uh, communication technologies. Okay. But but in India, we have about, I think, maximum, if I'm not mistaken, we have about level two automation cars. I don't even, I don't think we have a level three. I'm not too sure. Yeah. So if we have a level two car, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, probably this Gen AI voice activated kind of stuff using edge computing and, you know, because the LLMs, I presume, would run in the car itself, given the, uh, if if the computing power, I, I do not know whether, because these will have to be SLMs rather than. They, uh, they need to be SLMs and, yeah. and the cars need to have uh, strong processors to run these uh, models locally Absolutely. because the cars themselves are moving, uh, you know, uh, moving objects right mm -hmm. so they cannot you know connect to the uh, cloud on a fly for llm latency uh, and LLM's they, response and would there be dark spots also <laughs> <laughs> you can bet on it <laughs> you can't make a proper call nowadays you, you and i have covered telecom and worked in telecom long <laughs> enough and i've seen Seriously. the evolution of telecom around the world including india to know for a fact that there's going to be dark spots absolutely i mean i think that's going to be the uh you know going to pay a play a spoil sport uh, sure. with all these uh, developments uh anything else you would like to highlight which uh sort of uh, caught your attention no, I think we're just slowly but surely, you know, rolling into the new year 2024. I mean, you know, I think uh, the entire AI, uh, you know, narrative and the hype is slowly but surely settling in. And uh, people and the companies are 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 also, you know, looking at ways at, at, at adopting this. Uh, right now, this week, CES and CES announcements have been the big this one, but uh, nothing beyond that. I think slowly but surely, we're all getting back to the new normal Okay, the AI era, and people are uh, realizing it. Uh, it's going to be the new normal, and they're going to and they're making their plans and strategies. Yeah, but before uh, I conclude this uh, uh, podcast, uh, I want to you know uh, two or three trends that I've been seeing, which of course we have spoken about two of them. One being you know uh, I mean we have spoken of one, uh, the first one basically that collaboration and the cooperation between yes. companies. Yes. Uh, the second one is clearly this entire thing towards open source. Open source. You know, because a lot of these LLMs, a lot of these SLMs basically are open sourced uh, yeah. models. Even the USD, the universal scene descriptor that I OpenAI and Microsoft yeah. are, 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 are uh, you know, fighting that uh, OpenAI, uh, sorry, open source movement a lot. But I, I guess even even on their side, the genie is out of the bottle. Okay, the op yeah. on the open source genie is out of the bottle. So I think we should elaborate on these trends in the uh, coming episodes. Yes. But, uh, you know, the uh, other third trend that uh, which I want to conclude on would be that of AI and robotics. And we have been yeah. speaking about this. So if you remember just recently, uh, DeepMind announced a mobile Aloha. Right. So uh, that I thought was, uh, you know, a pretty 
I wouldn't say inflection point, but I would say yes. Uh, you know, from a point of view that a glimpse uh, of the future, a, a glimpse Let's of the future, it. because Let's call it that way. Yeah. You know, given the fact that robots cannot uh, easily perform the kind of movements that we can do right. for us, like even a five-year-old child can just move his finger, you know, grab a bottle, uh, right. uh, you know, have a proper grip around the thing, or just take a mobile and play around it. Robots find it extremely difficult. Uh, to do all the stuff. Talking of that, uh, I was watching uh, the Joe Rogan uh, experience, the Joe Rogan's podcast mm -hmm. earlier this week, uh, wherein he had a, a you know sex psychologist and a sexologist as as a guest, and she was talking about real doll and how far in the in the last few years, you know these these uh, companion dolls or the sex dolls. Uh, and this company, Real Doll, that makes them have come so far, you know, and and with AI. Probably, you know, we, we should when when you're talking about AI and robotics, the companion, uh, you know, robots also play a role, and uh, you know that's something we should cover. Yeah, companion robots, both from the social point of view and from the asocial point of view. <laughs> I mean, it will have to be difficult. But I think also one more uh, uh, a trend or one more caveat in this entire thing is. Uh, clearly, as we see in every CES that we have seen, or why why CES only? It could be the Mobile World Congress, or it could be you know DevCons, or it could be any practical whether it is an event by any of the big tech companies. Uh, clearly, uh, security is very important because you are talking of every device being connected to every other device. Now, if we are really going by the numbers that Ericsson and all had put out, you know, something like what, 50 million devices by, by 2025 or something, whatever that number was, or billion rather devices. Yeah, it was billion devices. So now if you look at those numbers and if you actually say, okay, these are the numbers, uh, and two things will happen. One is the data that they will spew out. So AI will have a lot of data sets, uh, uh, you know, a lot of data to work on. Uh, should be a pretty interesting thing because I think Roland Bush was already speaking about uh, enterprises in the like the metaverse kind of stuff, uh, the uh, immersive uh, technologies, etc. The kind of data that is being put out every month, it it is equivalent to something like five hundred thousand uh, videos every month. So I mean that was and uh, something runs into some uh, two hundred something petabytes or something. If I, I I don't have the exact number with me, uh, but yeah. So th that's one part of it. But more important is if every device is connected to every other device, both for the consumers and the enterprises. This is going to be a very very big, uh, you know, uh, issue to address or a very important issue. Uh, from a from a strategy point of view, the issue that I see, I, I won't say the issue, the new norm that I see is the completely overhauling and changing value chains. Okay, for, for companies and enterprises, their their vendors and clients won't be the same people that they've been dealing with for the last, you know, many, many years or decades. Okay. So especially when we're talking about interconnected devices, interconnected solutions, okay, and various use cases and value proposition coming out. Okay, it won't be the same, and and that at the CXO level, the CEO level, and and the senior management level, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure how much of uh, at least to a lot of people that I speak to, that that understanding hasn't seeped in. Okay, that uh, you know, all of a sudden their their vendor might not be the same person, uh, same vendor that they've been dealing with in the value chain for many years. All of a sudden, a, a completely different company can can be their vendor or their partner. 
yeah imagine the nightmare for the finance department because the oh, finance yes. departments have a set processes yes. so the cfo <laughs> will just not allow a new vendor to come in without you know the proper onboarding because of True. the i mean of course there are so many compulsions out there no, and this, most and most of the vendors today yeah, yeah and most of the vendors today are actually startups yeah. So exactly. you're going to exactly. have a big issue because there's a cultural kind of, you know, a shock for the startups also and for the uh, CFOs of these enterprises. Uh, we, we've seen one form of these interconnected devices overhauling the way companies work and behave with the mobile devices coming in about 10 years back, right? I mean, earlier, the enterprise uh, mobile devices were only Blackberries. So, you know, the companies would buy Blackberries for their, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. for their senior management and provision and, them. And then now, you have B BYOD. Then you had BYOD. Now yeah. every smartphone, you know, people are doing their uh, this one on their smartphone. So they're accessing their corporate emails on their smartphone. So one level of, uh, you know, the connected devices overhauling the way at least the enterprise IT works, okay, had gone through a huge change about 10 years ago, okay. But now with AI coming in, that I think that's going to uh, go through an overhaul at a different scale. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, come to think of it, you're actually bringing LLMs into the company. Exactly. <laughs> because exactly. you're bringing the pocket LLMs out there. <laughs> so if you're bringing a rabbit or anything for that matter of fact, like many of us would have these apps which are actually LLMs. True. So on True. the mobile devices, then once companies start integrating all the stuff, uh, I mean, <laughs> I really would sympathize with the CXOs yeah, I mean, from the point of view of, of from a very personal experience yesterday I was uh, I was I was sort of surprised my daughter who's who's 14 and is giving her ninth grade final exams she and her uh, you know friends are asking chat GPT whether the yesterday she had English language paper right so they were checking some of the answers and they were checking it on chat GPT and not Google search so chat GPT is becoming for that generation at least is becoming the default uh, you know, this one for Google search. Okay. And yeah, but I'm not sure whether that's the right thing, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll but, get there. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's for now. And uh, we'll talk more about this uh, next week. We'll elaborate on some of these topics. Yeah. So have a, have a lovely weekend. Enjoy. Yeah. You too, Leslie. Take care. Take care.